Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Um, so 
you know, we do know that blood saves lives, and we need that blood bank open at all times. We need that blood bank full at all times. So that's the latest on the Red Cross business. Well, uh, we also talked about (laughs) the Florida man who was arrested after trashing the church. Yes, he broke in. He trashed the church, did $8,000 worth of damage. He stole money. There was a woman in the church who did hear the break-in and fled. And afterwards, after he committed all of this, you know, uh, melee, he decided he was going to baptize himself. Yes. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, some people are saying, you know, due to this mental health crisis that, you know, we don't know what happened. You know, did he did realize that he needed to be baptized? Uh, you just don't know. You just don't know. But nonetheless, that's the uh, route he decided to take. Well. We had our ladies talk about ways to turn to God and be satisfied. And, you know, um, a lot of times we do resign ourselves to, you know, let me go the way of the Lord, let me give it to God, and then we still, we're so antsy. You know, we give it to God, and instead of leaving it there, we pick it back up and we decide that, you know, we're going to do it our way. You know what I'm saying? And we're also known for, quote, unquote, giving it to God, but then really wondering if that was the right thing. So the lady did a fine job yesterday with helping us understand, you know, that once we give it to God, just be content. Be content, be satisfied. Leave the selfishness behind. And listen, just the word selfishness alone kind of, you know, gives you an understanding of, you know, what exactly where your mind is. You know, it's about self. And if you're going to leave it to God, then how does self even enter into the equation? Right? Right. You know, selfishness means I need it all for myself. I'm thinking about me, 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 me. It's all about me. And when we supposedly give it to God, it's now about the Lord. It's about what he has in mind and what his intent is for the actual situation. It ain't got nothing to do with us anymore if we leave it to God, right? All right. Also, we talked about the fact that only God can meet those years. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's just uh, so much that we do need. And we need on a consistent basis. And a lot of times, we always, you know, we look to people who take care of our problems, who answer and, and solve these situations. We look to ourselves to answer and solve the situation. But when we realize that the creator 
that God himself is the only individual that can eat the meat. Because how many times, let me put this out there, how many times did you think you needed one thing and you really did it? Mm. You didn't need that thing. Or how many times you thought you needed something and it wasn't that that you really needed. It was really something else that you needed. Now, isn't it wonderful to serve a God that ultimately knows what it is that we need and how many times he has said no? And boy, what we grateful. So, you know, understanding that God is the only one who can really meet those needs that we have, you know, hey, we are, <laughs> we need to just learn to be content with the Lord once we get to it. All right? So, you know, it, it, it was a wonderful thing because the ladies also talked about the moment they realized that God was different enough. And one thing that we did have in common, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, that wasn't just one time in our life. Regardless of how old we are, there, I mean, there are multiple times that we can go back and, well, we can think about multiple times that we said that we really needed the Lord. And he was the one that we had to just settle in on, understand that we only believe this to God because Stephanie cannot do a thing about this here. All right? So my advice to you today and yesterday is just leave it to the Lord. Leave it to God and really be content and satisfied with that decision. Stop picking it back up. Stop trying to manipulate it and work it to your advantage or to your good. Because, you know, if we were the ones who could handle it all, then we would not need God at all. I pray you get that message yesterday and today. And I advise you to go back and listen because there were many other things we talked about in regards to learning to be content and satisfied with the Lord. Okay? All right. Well, today, 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 it's Therapeutic Thursday. Yes, today we discuss our health, whether it's our physical health, emotional health, mental, uh, spiritual, financial, whatever health issue there is. And when you deal with the good time school, uh, we talk about multiple ways to deal with our health. All right? Pray so, you're well and you're on your way and we can get this day started together. And uh, I'm going to send you to go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's the time with Pastor Seth is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Did you know the majority of contact lens wearers do not practice proper lens hygiene? Keep your eyes healthy. Before you touch your contact lenses, make sure you wash your hands with soap and water and dry them every time. Keep water away from your lenses and case. 
Remove lenses before showering or entering a pool, and don't use water to clean or store your lenses. Make sure you do not use anything but optometrist-recommended contact lens solution to clean your lenses in case. Never mix old and new solution. Use only fresh disinfecting solution and replace your case every three months. Never sleep in your lenses. Always be prepared with those backup eyeglasses. For proper eye health, listen to your optometrist. Have your eyes examined regularly. For more on eye health, visit www.optometry.ca.gov. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Therapeutic Thursday. Yep, we're going to talk about our health today. I pray that you are well and giving God thanks that we are all here this morning. And we're going to get our day started together, focusing on the goodness of the Lord. And uh, let's get this party started. Well, you know, I have to tell you, when it comes to our health, I got to tell you, we are, we are not the smartest individuals. No. You know, this TikTok craze and all kinds of internet um, things that they have going on. You know, we just do all kinds of stupid stuff. We follow all kinds of stupid trends, and if somebody tells us to do it or it works for them, we automatically assume that it's okay for us. And sometimes when I read the news, I'm, I'm just amazed at this stupid stuff that people do. So, we all, you know, if you're in my age group, we all had pastor oil in our lives when we were growing up. Grandma, mom, auntie, somebody gave us castor oil, you know, each and every morning. And, you know, as a reminder, it's that clear, thick vegetable oil. And, um, it's a castor bean plant. It's been used for many, 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 many decades. And it's that secret medicine. I, I got to tell you, you know, most of us who grow up, grew up on castor oil really did not get ill. No, we were very healthy individuals, much um, as <laughs> somebody says, yes, castor oil was nasty. Absolutely. So you got that with some orange juice 
So you can wash it down real quickly. And, um, you know, it, it just really definitely added a boost to your system and helped keep you, you know, kind of on the healthier side. Oh, gosh. You know, they also use it for laxatives. You know, sometimes they use it like if you were congested, they'd rub it on your chest. Leave it up to the dumb TikTokers to destroy anything because now you have thousands of videos showing people rubbing castor oil on their eyeballs over their eyelids across their eyelashes under their eyes because this is supposed to treat dryness and floaters and cataracts and poor vision and glaucoma. Please stop. Please stop. There's one woman on TikTok who insists that her eyesight has improved after she has washed her eyeballs with castor oil. You know, Santis always says people need to stop blaming mental illness for everything. And it's almost like the devil did it. The devil made me do it. Yeah, I, I, I liken that to the devil made me do it. However, there is, I think, the, the, uh, the fact that, <laughs> what do you call this thing, mental illness has existed and it's just been ignored, especially by the church, you know, in this world. I just honestly believe that the mental illness crisis is a lot more rampant and serious than we think. Um, people put a lot on mental illness. However, I just think people are just at the point where they're just stupid. And I'm being serious about that. You know, the Lord says, you know what? I'm just going to leave them to a reprobate mind. And I have to tell you, a reprobate mind ain't mental illness necessarily. And I can't say that a reprobate mind is not mental illness. Because let's just talk about this thing for a minute. We're talking about our health. Let's talk about this for a minute. And you can send me your comments. Feel free to send me your comments. My, my theory is this. Let's say for argument's sake, I have I do I, I have my grand, I have a grandmother who um, she had schizophrenia, and um, I don't know at what point they discovered the schizophrenia or whatever have you, but I do know I have seen her, you know, in when she was on her medication. And I've seen her when she wasn't on her medication. And what I do know is that the Lord could keep us if he chose to. See, I believe a whole lot of us are walking around with mental illness, and it just ain't showing. Why? Because the Lord's got us. Plain and simple as that. And 
I think when the Lord lets go and he says, I'm going to lead them to a reprobate mind, that means leave us to ourselves. Leave us to the original state that our mind is in. He does not, he's not doing anything to cover us. So what does that mean? That means that if I'm, I should have had some level of mental illness, that me being left to my reprobate mind very well means that I may be left to a mental illness state that I may need some may if left alone. That's the only reason why I, Stephanie, you know, um, don't need meds is possibly because the Lord is keeping me. It doesn't mean that it skipped my generation. You know, if God wants me to serve him, then uh, I like to believe that God's going to have to keep me in some type of uh, mental uh, stability. Because if I'm all cuckoo, then guess what? I can't serve God properly. My grandmother could not serve God when she was not on her bed. Trust me when I tell you. All right? So, you know, we have to think about this thing. So when you've got people putting castor oil on their eyes, you know, some people might say, well, mental, mental illness is real. Yeah, well, mental illness is real, and you may have some people who are dealing with mental illness, and now you're on TikTok telling people that your eyes are dry. You put, um, what do you call that stuff, uh, castor oil on your eyes, and now you can see better. But on the flip side of that, you could just be plain old dumb and just stupid. I'm serious. How can I? How would I know? Okay, and they're telling you, please do not do this. They say castor oil has no effect on cataracts at all. Okay, and they say that. Um, this occurs when fluid accumulates on and damages the optic nerve. So what would castor oil do for this issue? Okay. So, you know, they're saying that even if you put a drop of castor oil on your eye, it's not going to seep in and dissolve or fix anything. So please, you know, people stop following these things because the internet says it works, that it works. Stop. Okay? Please, 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 please stop. All right? All right. Let's talk about something else that you may not know. All right? We're talking today about um, foods that we eat on a regular basis that are not only bad for your health, but bad for your wallet, okay? Well, needless to say, this diet soda, which it seems to be a craze for uh, people with diabetes or people who believe that they are pre-diabetic, diet soda is filled with calories. Remember, it has that fake sugar in it those artificial sweeteners 
They say that can lead to chronic kidney disease, tooth decay, and it increases your risk for osteoporosis, depression, and heart disease. Okay? So, um, if you're cutting back on diet soda, they say, please, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. I know there's not a whole bunch of uh, op, you know, options if you don't drink sugary foods. I'm sorry, sugary um, drinks. But, you know, if you want to drink that can of diet soda, maybe once a week or something, I don't know. But diet soda is really not the way to go. You know, not in the grand scheme of things. Okay? All righty. Oh, they say hot dogs. Now, they say hot dogs are highly processed food, and, uh, and it says it contains many ingredients other than animal meat. Uh, um, they say that consistent and excess eating can cause damage to the intestines and the stomach. And as a person who has intestinal issues, you don't want that problem. Um, they, uh, Please don't eat your hot dogs on a regular basis, okay? All right, so get rid of those hot dogs. If that's on a regular basis that you're eating it, don't do it to yourself, okay? Breakfast sandwiches. Wow. And they're talking about McDonald's, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts. They said, yes, they are delicious, but... They're really doing some disservice to your body. They say, excuse me, that eating fast food breakfast sandwich three times a week can make you gain eight pounds a year. They say because it's loaded with 300 extra calories. And they say that you really get this from eating those type of um, those types of breakfast sandwiches. So eat at home, eat at home, eat at home. American cheese slices. Kraft is on this list, and there's an imitation cheese. Oh, they say that it is not that great for your health. And all of those cheese slices have ingredients that uh, are really unhealthy for you. Okay? Commercial salad dressing. And they're talking about your wishbone, your hidden valley, your craft. So they're saying that you can make a super deluxe salad and uh, throw a whole bunch of salad dressing on it, and it may be loaded with sugar, trans fat, and at the end of the day, it can possibly be unhealthy. They say, um, you know, try to make your own salad dressing from olive oil, vinegar, and a little bit of salt and pepper. Okay? All right, so we all know that the prepackaged Cupcakes are no good. We ain't got to go through that. Gummy bears, they say that even though they're very 
small, they have the equivalent of up to 12 teaspoons of sugar in one serving. Oh, my gosh. So when you give these to your children, nah, you are loading them up with sugar. And remember now, anything that's gummy has gelatin in it. So if you are amongst the group that does not eat pork, then you better watch your uh, ingredient list when you eat those gelatins. Yes, jello, um, gummy bears, and certain candies. Yes, do have pork in it. Okay? What else are we talking about today? This one is going to kill some of us. Instant ramen. Now, we talked about this before, that um, it has a low fiber content, and it is full of sodium. Now, the ramen itself is not the bad part. It's that packet that goes in it. So, you know, we don't eat that a lot, but my granddaughter loves it. So what we do is I just put a little bit. I don't even put half of the packet in there. I just put a little bit in there for her just to give it some flavor, and she's fine. But definitely for those of us who throw that whole packet of uh, seasoning powder in there, man, that's a killer. That sodium is a killer. All righty. Oh, they say that cheap white bread. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. They say that, you know, you want to make sure that you uh, don't eat this because it comes with a whole lot of additives. They say it contains a bunch of sugar, and it's not very healthy. Okay? Pancakes. Pancakes. They say pancakes have a lot of salt in it. Yeah, we're always looking at all of the um, the the syrup we throw on it, but actually, they say that it has a lot of trans fats, and you can run the risk of cardiovascular disease. They say some of them also have partially hydrogenated soybean oil. And they say that's not one of the healthier fats. So think about when you put all, you know, all of that, and then you add all of that syrup on it. Okay? Coconut water. Oh, for those of you who love that coconut water, they say there are a lot of benefits to coconut water. It has electrolytes, and it's very hydrating. They say, however, be careful of coconut water if you're trying to count your calories because like sports drinks, coconut water has 45 to 60 calories per 8-ounce serving. They say if it's flavored, it's probably also high in sugar. And they say there is a third concern with coconut water and that it's, um, it can cause your potassium levels to become too high. 
And they say, but that's only if you drink it in large large amounts. Any overconsumption of, you know, this beverage can lead to your stomach being upset. And I'm going to tell you something about that potassium level. When your potassium level becomes high, your heart is affected. So I'm going to keep this list. We're going to go over a little bit of it tomorrow because there are many, 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 many things on this list. So here we go. You know, you want to make sure that you stay away from those things, okay? All right. And, it's, I mean, everything eaten in moderation is fine. But for those of us who live off these things, who eat these things on a regular basis, you know, as with anything, 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 too much of it is, is not going to be good for you. All right. There's a... Um, Speaking of drinking too much, I came across this article the other day, and there is a family of a woman who they say died from drinking too much water too quickly. Yes. So they say this 36-year-old daycare worker in Indiana, she went out on a boating on a lake with her husband and children over this past 4th of July. And they said she developed a headache and she felt like she couldn't get enough water. So he said she drank four bottles of water during a 20-minute boat ride and she ended up passing out at her home later that day. And she never woke up. They say what happened is it pinched off her blood vessels like a kink in a hose and it stopped the blood flow to the brain. Okay? So they say water intoxication, also known as water toxicity, is uncommon but can happen if a person drinks too much water too fast throwing off the body's electrolyte balance and causing the body's sodium levels to drop rapidly. So they remind us that sodium helps to maintain the blood pressure and is vital for the healthy functioning of our nerves, muscles, and our body tissues. But when the amount of sodium in fluids outside cells drops, below a normal level because of excess water consumption that it can become life-threatening. So they say the kidneys can process 20 to 28 liters of water per day, but drinking more than that per hour is potentially harmful. So I, listen, this is real. I remember... Um, my mother, who loved to drink water, she used to buy them, oh my gosh, she used to buy water like crazy. And her um, kidney doctor told her she had to stop drinking so much water because it was actually damaging her kidneys. And again, we're talking about, you know, the added issue of drinking the water too quickly and too so it's the combination. So in other words, you know, 
you know, if you drink a lot of water during the day and everything is okay, you know, you won't, you know, outdo yourself, <laughs> if you will. But if you drink too much water too quickly, it can actually be damaging. If you have kidney issues, you want to definitely pay attention to your level of water consumption because it is definitely harmful to you. Okay? All righty. What else are we talking about? Hmm. Now, this is really weird. Now, for those, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know. For me, I'm big on the way people behave. I do. And, you know, everybody who has listened to this broadcast knows that I am a victim of um, domestic abuse. And it happened very young in my life. And what the Spirit of the Lord has definitely helped me with is it happened to me younger so that I could understand that abuse comes in many shapes, forms, and fashions. And I think a lot of times we um, we we endure in abuse, but we push past it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to wait to see if our men join us today because I would love to hear what they have to say about this particular story. I just realized that neither one of them are on right now, and I definitely want to get their feedback on this particular story. All right, let's talk about... Hmm. All right, so we're still talking about this six-year-old kid who shot the teacher in Virginia. Well, slowly but surely, new things are developing. You know, when you remember when this first came out in January, this was really hush-hush. There was just the the blatant, you know, the blatant um, information. You know, the six-year-old had the gun, got it in school somehow, got the teacher with it. And over the course of these, you know, over these last months, we've been hearing little bits, you know, of, of the story, little pieces filling out. Well, they have several articles, you know, out there about what he said when he shot the teacher. And, you know, remember that he's not being charged. He's only six years old. He's not being charged with anything because they say that, of course, he's too young and he, um, he can't be really held accountable and they're saying that when he when he when he shot the teacher and he spoke to one of the other teachers um, immediately thereafter, he said a few things. And one of the things that he said was, "I did it, and I got my mom's gun last night." Now remember, there was this big issue of her mom saying that the gun was uh, on six feet high, 
it was in a lockbox with a key and a and a and or you would need a key to get the bike lock, bike style lock off the lockbox and we all knew that that could not have been true because if that's the case there's no way in the world that this kid would have accessed the gun. Well, you know, leave it to him. He's spilling it bit by bit. So he's talking about the fact that, yeah, I got my mom's gun last night. Um, so they're even looking more into that story. Um, I don't know what there is to look into. The chick clearly lied. Um, they're going back to talking about, um, you know, she's expected to spend between 18 to 24 months in prison because um, of several things. Well, one, the negligence of her um, having this gun around the house. Also, she violated, you know, one of the rules that you cannot use marijuana while you're in possession of a firearm. Then I don't know who they're giving the guns to because if Shanae walk up in the gun store, you know, you can't, as a gun shop owner, you can't, you know, discriminate. But I got to tell you, you ain't got to tell me that half these people are using, you know, marijuana. Oh, I mean, come on. Well, what else do you need a gun for? You know, um, you, you, you listen, you're not really using no gun for anything good. And you and your man probably using, your man and his woman, you know, probably using, you know, marijuana, to say the least. To say the least. What about alcohol consumption? That's going to be the same thing. Oh, gosh. Well, this is, um, he, this is this is something that they're going to keep getting little bits and pieces as they start opening up these records that were at one point sealed. He also told one of the teachers, I shot the B dead. B being a curse word. And they're like, he's in therapy. Um, he's in therapy and he is supposedly improving daily, daily. Well, I'm trying to figure out how can you tell. I would love to see what how they're gauging this. I would love to see how they gauge this. Now, I do admit, you know, I do believe that, you know, taken out of a, a, a toxic environment, you know, someone would begin to improve. But how quickly? And what are you basing this on? Now, this is her attorney saying this. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I tell you one thing, that don't sound too good on her on her behalf. So, he been going out of the system of her home, and I'm saying it just like that, out of the system of her home since January and already he's been proven daily. Well, then that home has to, has to have been toxic. You just going to improve because you're not in the house? Yeah, well, that don't make it look good, for, I'll tell you that much. Well, I don't know, y'all. I, I, I anticipate that a whole lot of 
pieces of information are going to be spilling out and spilling out and spilling out as we go along. Because the more they dig and the more they want to get at her, oh, yeah, she is definitely, 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 definitely going to have to eat. Okay? Oh. Now, here's another story. Now, I did a story like this not that long ago. So I don't, and this is not the same story. I definitely checked this out. This is not the same story. This is very graphic. So you might want to put your, you know, your phone on or your device on mute for a little bit. But there is a couple in Atlanta who is suing a doctor for a grave, grave mistake while delivering their child. And uh, our 20-year-old Jessica Ross, they say, went into labor with her very first child back on July 9th. And there was some difficulty while they were delivering, or at least trying to deliver the baby. And the baby somehow or another got lodged um, in the mom. And, you know, after she had been in labor for 10 hours, you know, now the baby stuck. And um, they were trying to pull the baby out. Now, having three children of my own, uh, that happened with my middle girl. She kind of got stuck a little, but not stuck fully. So it's kind of a really delicate situation. She was, she was quite large. And this could have been the same thing that happened with this 20-year-old. You know, she is 20, you know, so, you know, her body has not, you know, I'll tell you something, your body hasn't fully developed um, even at 20 years old. So we don't know how big the baby was. They didn't say the baby was necessarily large, but they did say that the baby got stuck. So clearly it got stuck in a bad spot, and they opted not to give her a C-section. So in pulling the baby, they caused some serious damage. They say that the baby's bones, such as the skull and the head and the neck, were all broken as they were trying to pull this baby out. Now, why you would try to pull a baby? Oh, my God. I cannot imagine. Because the baby's delicate at this point. Um, it's almost like a doll. You know what I'm saying? You pull on a doll's limbs to the thing pops off. Well, they say that... Um, the baby, needless to say, the baby died, and when the and they told the parents that they were not eligible for a free autopsy. They encouraged cremating the baby, and they really didn't give them a whole lot more information. Well, that's what happened after they asked to see the baby. After they told them that the baby had um, died. So what they did was they wrapped the baby tightly inside of a um, blanket and 
they gave the baby to the parents. Now, clearly, they didn't give the baby to the parents very long because they said it wasn't until the baby made it to the funeral home that it raised certain flags and the ultimate truth came out. Well, everybody, everybody who's listening, the ultimate truth was they had decapitated the baby. And the baby's head was no longer connected to the body. So when they wrapped the baby tight in the blanket, they propped the baby's head a certain way where the mother and the father couldn't tell that their head was no longer detached. And they tried to cover it up. And that's why they were saying, you know, you couldn't get a free autopsy because an autopsy would have told that all the bones were broken the way, you know, they said, as well as the head was decapitated. Um, and can you imagine how traumatizing this is um, to this couple? Well, needless to say, They'll probably own the hospital when all of this is done because several, not just the doctor, but several individuals was responsible for actually covering this up. Yeah. So, you know, why not just tell the truth? Why not just tell the truth? I don't get it. Why not just tell the truth? All right, so speaking of childbirth, the gentlemen are not on, so I'm going to go ahead so the ladies can have their say. So there's a couple who go to the hospital, and she's in labor, and he decides that he's going to be in the labor and delivery room with her. And they're both 20 years old. So as she's going through natural childbirth, he was not appreciating all of the stages that she was going through. She says she screamed a lot. And each time she screamed, he whispered, can you stop screaming? You're really embarrassing me. Stuff to that. She said she threw up a few times, and she said he covered his face in shame. And he was he said he was embarrassed for that. She had a midwife, and when she kind of relied on the midwife for comfort, which is what I thought that's why he was there, but clearly he was of no use that she held the midwife's hand, you know, to, to comfort her. He whispers to her, let go of her. Stop being so embarrassing. And now, who else was she supposed to lean on? She couldn't lean on him. Um, and what was he expecting her to do? I, I don't know. Even at 20, I'm sorry. 
We've all seen a movie or two of a woman in labor, of a woman giving birth. And I don't care whether you're white, black, red, green, or brown, young or old, rich or poor. When we have seen women in some type of labor or delivery, it is never, ever pleasant. So I'm trying to figure out where he's been in his 20 years that he does not expect her to scream and yell and, you know, go through pain and how she should respond to pain. Two ladies here who have not had children, but I'm sure they've seen a movie or two, and they, you know, wouldn't expect anybody to, you know, be silent during this process, but to have a man near you, the child's father near you, and he's complaining about your embarrassing him, I would love to hear what the ladies think. So let's say good morning to our girl, Tamika. Good morning, Tamika. Good morning, good morning. Happy Thursday to you. How are you today? I am well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Thursday to you as well. How are you? I'm doing a okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let's a okay into this conversation of, let's see, are we going to go back and talk about some of the other stories. Um, yeah, I want to go back and talk about this six-year-old for a minute. Now, he says after he shot the woman, I did it. I got my gun, my mom's gun last night. He then also says, I want to call him properly. Hold on. Yeah, I shot that B-Day. We told him to now, they're saying that, you know, after, you know, the issue of him being sick, that he has been, you know, said, it's been said that he has had some serious emotional problems. We've gone through this story over and over and over again. He has some acute disability. But as they're spilling, you know, out all of this, um, information in addition to the stories that we've gotten where he choked another teacher from behind he's terrorized other children you know it's clear that he understood what he did now they're saying that he doesn't quite understand the repercussion of what he did now that could be a very different situation what do you feel they really need to do with this little boy? That is a um, a great situation. You know, I, I, that's the first time I've heard that that the six year old actually verbalized something like that, and my heart hurts. You know, because there was no remorse. You know, um, at six years old. You know, and the way that I see that, that, that has to be 
that has to do with your upbringing, you know, and my heart goes out to the fact that there is no remorse. I shot her, and it's one thing to shoot, and you shot her dead, and there's no remorse, you know. Um, that has to do with your upbringing. Um, and he's been, at six years old, with that type of mentality, he's been exposed to a whole lot of stuff. He's seen a lot that I'm sure children his age have never been exposed to. You know, when you talk like that and you kind of have bragging rights, um, there's a whole lot going on. You know, I, I think of, of my childhood. We didn't have a gun, you know, in the household. Um, I didn't know what a gun was until, you know, considerably older. You know, I was an adult when I, ever, you know, the first time I ever had one in my hand, you know. And so, um, you know, when you're stating that he is doing better, it's because whatever it is that he's now um, – affiliated with is, is entirely different than what he was exposed to before, you know, and, and that's hard, you know, um, what should be done. That's, that's really difficult. He's only six years old, you know, maybe some type of course um, or somebody training him as to, you know, the repercussions of that, you know, how do you do that at six years old? Very difficult. You know, do you take, you know, a, uh, a stuffed animal and have him shoot it and then show what it looks like. I don't, I don't know. You know, that's very difficult. I, I, I really honestly couldn't tell you what to do, you know, but you've got to help him to understand, you know, what the repercussions of that life and how many other people are affected by that. You know, the teachers, you know, I, I'm, I can't remember if the teacher had a child, but, you know, there are other lives that are affected by the fact that this one life is missing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, this is really a serious situation. Um, and, you know, what do you do? What do you do at this point when you have all this information now that he's, you know, um, that he's verbalizing? After he shot her, he clearly thought he killed her or his goal was to kill her. So, you know, if he's bragging that I shot to be dead, that was his goal. Even at six years old, whether he understood what death really means or not, that was his goal. He he clearly aimed to kill her, and he thought she was dead from at least where he shot her. So, you know, it, it, it says a lot. It says a lot. You know, of course, you know, we have not studied the brain like that and, you know, all of that kind of good stuff. And, you know, we don't know him personally and, you know, we don't have, um, you know, the expertise. Um, but I'm sorry. I, I do have some thoughts as to what they need to do with him. I ain't got to be studying the brain and all of that kind of stuff. But there's a lot to be said. Like I said to you all a little while ago, there's a lot to be said for now that they claim that he's doing much better. That ain't saying a whole lot for Mama. I'll tell you that much. Uh, let's talk to Shantice and see what she's got to say about this. Thank you for joining us this morning, Tamika. We'll be back to talk about that other issue. Uh, good morning, Shantice. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you, lady? I'm well, thank Some you. Morning. I'm well. 
Oh, so we've got this six-year-old who is, you know, now the story is getting old. And now that the police have um, done a lot more investigating, and now that they're exposing and bringing out a lot more details, one of the things he said was, um, I did it. Um, I got my mom's gun last night, which kind of killed the theory of um, of her having this this uh, thing locked up, this gun locked up. Also, I did see something else in here in this article about the fact that she said, "Let me let me share this with you all," because I was like, "Wow, now it's coming out." It says that she, the mother, the gun was actually in her pocketbook. And she had the keys. She said she came home. The gun was in her pocketbook. She left it on the dresser. And the gun, um, the, the key, is kept. Uh, Here's what she says. Okay, I found it. She says, on the morning of the shooting, she believed the gun was in her purse with the trigger lock installed and left on top of her bedroom dresser. And she said that the key for the lock is kept under her bedroom mattress. So that kills the theory of, hey, this was on top of the you know, six feet up in the lockbox. That's where I keep it, blah, blah, blah. So this is all now spilling out. And, yeah, she's going down. She is straight going down. Um, now that, you know, he has said, I did it. Um, I got, I got, you know, I took the gun from my mom last night. Um, yeah, I shot to be dead. Um they're saying that they cannot charge him with anything. Because, wait, they said because he's six years old and they said he cannot work with an attorney. So there's a lot to this. Um, <laughs> goodness gracious. There's a lot to this um, fact that they say they cannot charge him because he's, he's not fully aware of what he did, and he cannot work with an attorney. So I guess they figure if you can't speak to an attorney for yourself, can't deal with you, then how in the world could you get a proper defense? And there's a lot here. There's a lot going on here. And that's why I ask at this point, and I'm just a little pea brains here, what do you think should happen, Shantice? I don't see how you're not able to speak to an attorney, but you're able to say, yeah, I got the gun and shot this be dead. Y'all underestimating these kids. Well, this kid. <laughs> this six-year-old. If you're able to go and in your head, this was your plan. This was premeditated. You were able to go and get that gun. You weren't at school getting bullied, getting beat and you happen to find out, like you saw your teacher had a weapon 
and to quickly defend yourself, you grabbed a gun and shot another, you know, student that was beating you or a teacher that was beating you. This was premeditated. How could you say he's not able to sit and talk with an attorney? That is dumb to me. He needs to be put in a facility that is going to really work on his psyche. He needs to sit with a real pastor who is going to care enough to take the time to have longevity with him because there's a whole lot of spirits going on with him that's stemming from the parents. There's no way at six you doing all of this and there has been no type of um, influence. You never heard anything. You didn't see anything at home. You just woke up on your own. You're, you're, both your parents are law-abiding citizens and they do what they need to do. And, you know, because we do understand that there are a lot of, you know, situations where the parents are as on point as they can be and somehow the kids just find a way to just dumb out. But at six, at six, you know, there's a whole lot. And from what, you know, we've spoken about what they found out regarding the mother uh, already shows that there's a lot of, you know, imbalance going on in that home. He, He needs to be put away, but somewhere where there's going to be some serious work being done with him, not just put him away and let him sit somewhere for whatever amount of time and there's no type of rehabilitation because at six, if this is what is going on at six and y'all are still making excuses for him, he just shot somebody. And he's still aware of what he did because now you're boasting about it and you're prideful about it. That is not mental health. It's not mental health. There's a whole lot going on with him. There needs to be some serious work done with him. And they need to stop making excuses or he's going to be 16, burning down whatever jail they put him in. All right. Well, again, mental health is, is subjective. It's subjective. You know, is this mental illness? Mm, I would say at its finest. You know, uh, you, you're going to have to remember all, all what goes on with the mother and the father goes on from internal. This stuff does not start when you hit the ground, when you're born. This stuff starts from in the womb. So who knows? Who knows what's happened? Oh, let's talk to our gentlemen. Thank you for joining us this morning, Shanti. Let's talk to the guys this morning and see what they have to say. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you? Thank you. I'm all right. You must have had your chicken this morning. I don't know, I'll fly away. I'll fly away. I need some of that energy. You got over there. Oh, they said I need two wings. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know, we're still this story is still developing that we've been talking about since January of this six-year-old. He is now, it's spilling out that now after he shot the teacher, he's bragging, I did it. I took the the gun from my mom last night. Yeah, I shot the bee dead. And, um, you know, with with 
as time goes on and more of this story develops, you know, it's just going to show how deep um, this situation is. So I'm asking our due time, you know, crew members, you know, what what do you think needs to happen with him? You know, he's 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 got history of violent behavior. Remember, they say he walked behind his teacher and choked her. He was menacing um, the school of the students. Remember, they said he had a belt at one point threatening to beat some of the other students. And now there's, you know, with this, I, you know, he can't, he can't be charged with anything. He's six years old. He does not understand ultimately the repercussion behind what he did, as well as the fact that he cannot, they say he cannot interact properly with an attorney. And because of that, that's one of the reasons why they cannot um, charge, him, charge him with anything. What's your thought? What do you think they need to do with him? Since we see the things you can't do with him, what do you think you need to do with him? Well, first of all, I'd like to say that I appreciate, you know, the ladies' answers. They were they were nice and professional. You know, um, Shantisha's not as old as I am, but, you know, back in our days, you know, I heard you say that, you know, our parents are not professional with, with, with mental health, but, but they were. Our parents knew when we were losing our mind. They were professional with that. <laughs> they, they knew... I mean, they, they, can, they can detect it, they can diagnose it, because they came to you and said, you must be losing your mind. And at that point, in those days, we got a beating, a real good beating. And then I heard you say, well, now he's doing better. Listen, after I got beat, I was doing much better. I didn't do that no more. I, I didn't go to school and act foolish no more. I didn't do none of that stuff anymore. I think this the problem is this this little boy has not gotten a good beating. He's gotten too many timeouts. You need to time out and beat him. That's the first thing we need to do. We need to beat he he needs to see what it's like to to be to be fearful. He doesn't he's not fearful of nothing. If if he mm-hmm. can say, Yeah, I killed her, then then he don't care about he don't even care about his own little life. You know, and, and, and I beg to differ. I think he knows, you know, what happens after that. You know, but now everybody's saying how you can't talk, you, you can't go to lawyer, you can't be charged. So he won. There, there's, there's nothing to do to him. He has won. So even if you put him in a psych facility, he still has won because he's going to go in there. And, and because he can think this sharp. You know, some of these folks in the psych um, facility can't think that sharp, and they're on medication. But you can think this sharp, so so you're going to manipulate the whole system. So he should get beat. That's the first thing he should do. Get beat because he's losing his mind. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, I was I was reading the story, and I heard my mother. I don't. And that's why I laugh at what you say, Pastor Gail, because I, I I was listening to this, reading the story, and I heard my mother say, "You must have lost your blankety blank mind." <laughs> so it's so funny to me that you say that this morning, because that's what I I heard as I was reading. It. I heard her cussing mm. us out, and I'm saying to myself, "There's a lot that was missing here 
from from in that home, and there was a lot of stuff that was in that home that was not in our home. And and this here is is a real this is a real bad situation here, really bad situation. Let's hear what brother brother Al's got to say about this thing here, how we need to deal with this. Good morning, brother Al. Good morning, good morning, chop, chop of the morning, chop of the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, Al, brother Al, brother Al. All this information is coming out about this kid, what he felt about, what he feels about what he did, what he said immediately after, and, you know, they're gearing up for what they're going to do with his mama. She going to pay. However, you know, they're saying that, you know, this little boy cannot pay for anything that he's done legally. And I'm asking, you know, what do we feel should happen with him? Does he know, in your opinion, ultimately what he did? Because they're saying he really don't understand what he did. Oh, he understand what he did. Okay, as I'm like Pastor KL, you know, the women gave beautiful professional answers, and those answers are unfortunately not going to work. So I say we should take them down to AWBYC. You know, that's an agency they got out, AWBYC. And for those who don't understand what that means, AWBYC stands for Al Will Beat Your Children. That's what it stands for. AWBYC. Bring them through. Bring them through. A W B Y C C. Al will beat your children. Okay? We need to, we need to take him down there and put him in the place. Look, for the adults, we got Big Bubba. We need to let him go see Little Bubba. You know what I'm saying? So, because it's not working. Oh, my but, but, you know, this, 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 this kid needs some, he need, he needs some consequences as well as help. You know, and so he can understand the seriousness of it. You know, don't just sit there and, oh, you shouldn't do that, and we're going to read this, and we're going to write about this, and what you think you could do better. No, he needs to see some hard consequences as well as help, because obviously he's not a normal six-year-old to be doing the things that he's doing. So there's something that's going on, you know, and if the parents don't want to help or whatever, then we need to lock them up too. Okay, then you don't want to help out, then we're going to give you the consequences for his actions. You know, Amen. so he definitely he he needs he needs some hard consequences to understand the seriousness of what he's doing, and and he, he needs help because if he's doing this at six, imagine when he gets ten, and then when he gets sixteen, then when he become an adult, you know we got a, a mass killer on our hands, so they need to jump on that right now. I actually agree. I, I think the un, un, unaddressed. This is going to be, he's already a menace to society. Um, Michael Myers. Unfortunately, <laughs> the parents have already failed him. Because if you have been allowed and the system has already failed him, that school after the first incident, he wouldn't have been allowed back. So you don't get no second chance on certain, certain things. And after he's met with a belt with the children, he's hurt and attacked other uh, um uh, what do you call it? teachers? It would have never gotten under my watch. It would have never gotten this bad. It would have never gotten to this point. So everyone around him has really failed him, and 
unfortunately, when he was four, nobody did anything. When he was five, nobody did anything. Well, y'all waited till he got sick and shot somebody. Now it's, oh, what do we do? Because we can't. There's a lot of things we can do. I do agree that it should not only be some um, mental health um, uh, uh, issues addressed, but also the environment, you know, um, him being in an entirely different environment from his parents. Um, and in, and he has to he has to deal with some repercussions, some consequences. Y'all feel he can't, you know, um, uh, endure this, or he shouldn't have to deal with that. But it, it, nothing would would be the worst thing for him. He has got to learn from now that there are repercussions to your actions. I, I definitely agree with it. Um, with that, that 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 that's just too much. This is way too much right now. Yeah, I tell you, we're going to keep talking about this story because there's going to be more and more stuff that's going to come out. Um, Mom goes for sentencing soon, and I promise you that when the sentencing time comes, oh, there's going to be some more information that's pouring out. So this is going to be a continuing story. Uh, Before you gentlemen got um, to us this morning, we talked about a – um, a, a 20, two 20 year olds who entered into the uh, entered into the delivery room and she was in a lot of pain and she was screaming in pain as she was having the baby and the boyfriend was leaning over to her asking her to please stop yelling that he was embar- she was embarrassing him. He, she said she threw up a few times, and he covered his face in shame and said, please, please, you're embarrassing me. I'm uncomfortable. Um, when she needed comforting, she relied on the midwife to hold her hand, you know, to help her through this process. Clearly, he, she didn't have his hand to hold. His hand was covering his face. So she reached out to the midwife. <laughs> hold her hand and he leaned over to her and said will you stop holding her hand you're embarrassing me this is so embarrassing and she is asking what should she do going forward you know she she felt very uncomfortable with the way he behaved in the delivery room and she's asking her TikTokers what she should do with this relationship. I'm going to start with the ladies first um, because, like I said, before you gentlemen joined us, I said, you know, I don't care how old you are. You didn't look at some movie. You didn't see some depiction of a woman in labor, of a woman delivering a baby, and, you know, this is always a, 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 a stressful period, very painful. Some women yell a little bit more than others. Some don't as much as others. But you've never seen a woman in labor, and she's been silent. So I don't know what he expected her to go through, but this is the way he behaved. He told her that this was the most embarrassing experience he had ever had, and um yeah, she wants to know what she should do. I'm going to start with you, Tamika. What should she do with this relationship? 
Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there were other signs. This is not, you don't wait till you get to the delivery room for him to say or do something um, that would hurt you. You know, I, there is a, I can't remember, uh, but there's actually a show um, where they actually have episodes of women literally just giving birth. That's what the whole show was about. It's nothing but that, you know, and you find all kinds of shenanigans that men are doing in the delivery room, you know, cracking jokes, you know, you know, doing whatever, you know, I've, I've seen all kinds, you know, I, I remember one episode, a man pulled the sheet from up under, you know, um, the, the woman that was actually giving birth, the, you know, the cover that they had on top of her and looked and then saw the baby and now he's running back and forth. There's all kinds, you know, there's, just stuff like that, you know, and um, since you didn't want me to hold her hand during the delivery room, as soon as I got calm, I would have said, okay, I'm good, I'm good. Here, hold my hand, and I would have showed you exactly what I'm going through, you know. That, how dare you tell me to be quiet, I'm embarrassing you. You know, those are signs, you know, and we often talk about red flags, signs, those type of things, you know. Um, I guarantee you there's more um, other things that he has said or done that, you know, has caused her, caused her to, you know, have some pain emotionally, you know, and suffered. All righty. So she said she's going to show him what it was like. All right, Tamika. Shanti, what you got? How should she move forward? She's asking you. How should she move forward in this relationship after his behavior in the delivery room? What would you tell her? What relationship? It's over. There's no relationship. You better not say nothing to me when I have my purity cramps, let alone I'm in labor and you're talking to me. You're lucky if I don't sign your rights off as a father. There's nothing you can say to me after that. And then you're talking about being embarrassed. The embarrassing part was me sleeping with you. That was the embarrassing part. So since we want to share, now that the baby is delivered and I can think a little straight, let's share how that was the biggest mistake I've made, was letting you touch me. That is abuse one-on-one. That, I've, I've never heard of, a man, whether he's still with the woman or not. I've never heard of a man doing something like that. <clears throat> I couldn't hear of the man not showing up. The woman from Connelly because he was nowhere to be found once I went into labor. Because not only were you trying to suppress how I was feeling and what I was going through, you now was talking to, this was her job. You, do you understand what a midwife is? This was her job. Her job isn't to only deliver the baby physically. It's also to be there for the woman emotionally, mentally as well. How I don't know this and I don't have kids. It, no, there, there would be no relationship. Like, girl, what do you mean what should you do going forward in what relationship? Ask God to teach you how to co-parent and to prepare you for the next man he has. Because if he, if he did that with you during the delivery, how is he going to treat that baby? 
how is he going to father that child as that child is growing up? Because that's straight bullying. No, there, there's no relationship. Mm-mm. All right. All right. And that's not the first time he's done something like that either. Yeah. I do agree with you and Tamika. You know what? We're going to go to you first, Brother Al. What say you? What should she do with this relationship going forward? Uh, okay, hold on. Let me move on here. These noisy kids, it's the last day. So <laughs> the last day and I'm tossing them out. Um, uh, well, she took exactly what I was going to say. This is not the first time that this happened. You know, it didn't happen with some other things, you know. And she decided to stick with him and stay with him. You know, um, like Shanti said, what relationship? You know, she's having your child and you're embarrassed because she's making noise. But why don't you lay up on the table and get birth and see how it feels? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and it's like, okay, now what do you do? You, you, you want the child to have his father in his life. He still could be in his life. But now it's like, well, what kind of father is he going to be? When the child cry or the, the child use the bathroom on itself, that's going to embarrass you too? So now there's a whole bunch of thoughts going in that now. Like, okay, what else is going to embarrass you? You know, so I, I would say get out. You know, get out now while you can. And then, like Shanti said, co-parent, you can come see your child, but you, you got to go. Pastor right. KL, what say you? Well, I'm going to go a whole different way just just to stir up the pot. Um, so in the, in, in the words of Brother Al, quick story, quick story. So, you know, when, 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 when Brandon, um, when, when his mother was, was impregnated with Brandon, that was my first child. And I kept on saying, I am not going in the delivery room. I, I get squeamish at a paper cut. So I definitely didn't want to see all that stuff. Um, God got a sense of humor. The baby was born in the house. So they brought the delivery room to the house. So in my thought, even while I was going through all that, I'm like, who cleaned up this stuff? You know, so, so what I'm saying is that sometimes you have nervous energy. And nervous energy makes you do and makes you say crazy stuff. The last thing I guess I should have been saying at the birth of my child is who's cleaning up this house with all this blood and all this stuff. But I guess because I was such in an in, in uproar, not, not an uproar, but, a, but in a panic or, or in a nervousness, that I said some things that I know I should not have said. You know, so, yeah, you know, I, I do see what you guys are saying, that, that there could have been some stuff to lead up to this that he said before. But there also could have been, a, you know, I really don't want to be in this delivery room, not because I don't love you, or not because I don't want to see this child. I'm just uncomfortable. And the more things that you do makes me even more uncomfortable. So now, as an idiot, I'm saying things that I shouldn't say. Okay, okay. Well, how would you respond to that, Tamika? Yeah, I could see it. Like I was telling you about the the show that I was talking about there's all kinds of crazy things that that are that are being done but um as the woman you know um you have to measure up you know is this normal behavior you know is there something oh oh you just need to be you know you need to be saying something you know i remember 
um, even being in the delivery room um, with my sister. And it was some things that, you know, the baby's father actually said. And I was just like, oh, you know, but afterwards, you know, he came to his senses, he apologized. So, you know, it's up to us as the women. But my thing is saying I'm, I'm embarrassing you. Come on. There's other things that you could have done and said. I mean, if, if we're talking about something else, then I get it. You know, saying something odd, but I'm embarrassing you, that really takes it to the hilt. You know, um, of all things you could have said, there's no support. There's no, you know, every time I do something, it offends you. You know, if that's the case, then you, you didn't have to be there. All righty. righty. But, Brother Al, what do you have to say in regards to um, Pastor K.L.'s scenario? Well, see, I think there's a big difference because Pastor Carroll said, you know, he can't see that stuff. You know, like, you know, he, he, you know, it bombs his stomach or whatever. But he didn't say she was embarrassing him. That's just a totally different thing right there. Like, you, I'm embarrassing you. I'm having a child. I'm embarrassing you. So, you know, you know what I always say, Pastor Carroll is crazy, but, you know, I love him, but he's crazy. <laughs> 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 Shocking. What's your response? It didn't sound like Pastor Kale was ready to have sex. Listen, nobody is prepared for what happens in the delivery room, whether it's the hospital or at home, especially if it's the first child. Nobody's really prepared for that. Even women who have multiple children, as Pastor Steph said, every delivery is not the same. However, that sounds like a that sounds like your true you comes out when you're drunk. That's what that sounds like to me. So the true you came out when she was in labor. Just like the true him came out again when she was in labor. Yes, certain things, you know, you saying this is like, okay, yes, I'm nervous. I'm, but it's like you still have control. Everyone has control. Everyone still has the ability to have a level of compassion, especially you're not the one. So if you're not the one who has this living person, you're ready to be ejected from your body and you feel like this, how do you think the woman feels? If she's not asking someone to contemplate your murder during that time and she ain't asking for illegal drugs to help sedate her to get through this, then you should be able to keep a level of composure and respect during that time. Yes, your thoughts may be running wild on both parts. Absolutely, I do not underestimate that. But no, no. If you ain't ready Sha- for the unexpected, then certain things shouldn't take place. Sha- okay, Shanti. Okay, so so I mean, and, and and I do understand what you're saying from the woman perspective. So I mean, when, when you say when Pastor Carol wasn't ready for sex, yeah, I was. I was. I wasn't ready to have no baby, but I was ready to have some sex. You know, I mean, but, but if you but, couldn't but, handle a paper cut, if yeah, you couldn't yeah, handle a paper cut, that, that, I'm not looking at that. But listen, uh huh. Wait, 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 wait. Before before the woman gets pregnant, there are uh-huh. things that goes on in the bedroom that can get gruesome at times. No, no, before, no, no. Before no, before the me. baby, wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going back to not the paper cut, the paper cut part. Wait, when when you're on your period, part. I don't deal with you. No, oh I'm not talking Lord. about your period because nobody has, no one has any business 
and that and that's right, biblical. Right. No one has any business right. with being touched during that period. I'm not even talking okay. about that. But there, okay. but there are times where things can get a little weird, a little mm-hmm. oh, a little something <laughs> when mm-hmm. you're in the bedroom before a child right. is even thought about, before a child is even conceived. That's why I went on to say, and not not, not just you, anyone. It could be the woman. It could right. be another man. You have, you have, and, and this is why there are so many people in this situation because everyone is just thinking about the feel good right now, and everybody ain't ready for the okie dokes that take place in the bedroom because they, they can't handle certain things. And you have <laughs> sex is a, a an act where you have to be prepared for certain things, certain unexpected things to take place. Now you're talking about there's a child being conceived. If the woman who is given birth still has some level of composure where she isn't wigging out completely, in my personal opinion, there is no excuse for a man to dumb out to where he doesn't have you know control and, as to what comes are, out of his mouth. correct in, in your feelings. However, if my nervous energy, not, not, not the last thing I should have said, well, who's going to clean up all this stuff? But that's what I was, that's all I could say. Now, I understand that she was going through, and she was going through more than, than, than the fact of who's going to clean up my house. But in my nerve, with my nervous energy, that's all I could think of. Because I couldn't keep on thinking about this big head coming, coming out of her. So I'm just like, who's going to clean this stuff up? So, yeah, was that the right thing to say? No. But, but, but I should have been more compassionate. But I wasn't. But it doesn't take away from whether I was going to take care of my child or whether I was going to murder my child or be separated from my child because of the things that I've said during birth. Okay, so I have a question. Well, again, I have a question. Wait, wait, I have a question. Now, the, the, the initial question to this entire conversation was, this woman wants to know, after she's experienced this in the delivery room, what, well, how should she move forward in this relationship? So my question is now, as a person who acted, let's say, similar, you didn't say the exact same thing, Pastor Kale, but as a person who behaved in a you know crazy manner, are you ultimately saying that she needs to leave that particular experience behind her and move forward with the relationship because the way he behaves during delivery does not depict the way he will behave going forward. Is that what you're saying? That, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, so in my case, look, three months later, I, I, I got um, custody of my son after saying, who going to clean this? So I had full custody of my son. So that, that's exactly what I'm saying. And if I'm telling you, this is just me, if I'm saying Shanti, I don't want to be in this delivery room. I know I can't take it. And then haphazardly, we have the baby at, at home. You already knew <laughs> that I couldn't take this in the delivery room. Now we have it in my house. If I've already expressed this to you, You've got to think that something's going to come out of my mouth that shouldn't come out. 
All right, all right. So, Tamika, this is what Pastor KL is saying. You know, don't be surprised, you know, at what comes out of my mouth because I have already voiced that, you know, hey, I don't want to be here in the first place. And whatever you get is what you get, pretty much. What, what, what's your response to that? I, I, I can't condone that because my thing is, at this time, I'm trying to share the most beautiful thing that there could be, you know, between you and I. Um, and, you know, I think there has to be some kindness on my part. I'm going through pain. I'm going through all types of emotions, and I get it. You know, you, you may be going through some things, too, but you have to curve that just like any other time of the year, you know, any time of the relationship. There are times when, when you are in a relationship with anybody, you know, there are things that you think in your mind that you never verbalize. You know, there are actions that you think in your mind and you never act on it, you know, and that particular time is definitely not the time to say, I'm embarrassing you or could you, could you quiet down? You have absolutely no idea what my body is doing, what my mind is doing, how much pain I'm going through, you know, and just speaking transparently, you know, when we go through a lot from the very beginning of menstruation until menopause. We are going through it, and we find a way to curb. There are thoughts that we go through on a daily basis. There are, there are emotions that we go through on a daily basis that we don't act on. There are things that come through our mind that we don't say. Why? Because we, we care about the person that we're involved with. We're concerned about their emotions. And at that time, that's definitely one of those times where you got to worry about whatever it is that's coming through your mind. You got to curb that. You, you, know how to, you know how to put a filter on it and utilize the filter. All right, all right. Brother Al, what do you say? I say, I say um, okay, we know the woman is going through a lot. The woman is going through a lot having the baby and everything. And I think you should be more sensitive regardless how you feel. You know, you may feel a certain way, but I think you should be a little bit more sensitive because of what she's going through. You know, I mean, when, when my son mother... Um, had them, you know, I was, I wanted to see everything. I want to know what's going on. I got the scrolls on. I got the scrub. Let me see what's going on. How this thing work? <laughs> you know, but I think you should be uh, uh, more sensitive to the person. <laughs> I did. I was cracking jokes and everything. She was like, it ain't funny. I was like, oh, my bad. I'm just saying. Well, but I think it should be sensitive to, to, to the woman because of what she's going through. You know, what she's going through at that, that moment. Like, okay, Cal said he didn't like, uh, you know, he can't be in there. He can't stomach this stuff. That's still a big difference than saying you are embarrassing me. That's a whole different thing. You embarrass me. Okay, I can't take it. Some people can't watch scary movies. Yo, I can't watch scary movies, this, this, and that. But for you to say that she's embarrassing you, that, man, that, that's crazy right there. So, okay, so I'm going back to, let's, I want to get, a, especially because Tamika will be leaving us very shortly. Um, Tamika, how should she go forward in this relationship? What are you telling her? I, I I would question that there is a relationship, you know, because my thing is in one of the most crucial times when I'm looking to you to be my support system, my my balance that 
that, you know, that hand to hold, the, you know, the expression to look at, the arms to support or hands to, you know, or even just a comforting word. Even if you couldn't, you can't embrace or you, you, you got to, you know, take it's all right, babe, breathe, breathe, anything. You know, and from what I'm hearing, she didn't get that. And so you got to recognize that if you're not getting it at that time, you know, even just something simple, that you're going to either have to struggle or you it, it might be better for you to just move on. Okay. All right. Brother Al, what's your, thank you, Tamika, what's your advice to her? My advice to her is like the scary movie. I was to leave. Seriously. Because you said I'm embarrassing. <laughs> I was I was telling her to leave. Honestly, we think it really simply because again, this woman is bringing life into the world and you you know and you, you say you're embarrassed. You know, and like I said, this can't be the first time that he'd been embarrassed about something with her. And she needs to get out. You need, you need to stop it now. The kid don't know who he is, right? Ain't go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because I, mean, I, I look at that and I'm like, that's like, that's like the ultimate. This woman is bringing life in your, that you had a part of. And you saying it's embarrassing. It embarrasses you. Because she's making noise, she's hollering, she's throwing up. What you expect? Her body is going through so many different emotions and going through so many trauma. Get out. All righty. Thank you, Brother Al. Thank you. Shanti. Yes. My advice to her is, is pay attention to the red flags. Now you know the additional questions you need to check off your list when you meet the next guy. How are you in hostile situations that you contributed to? Do you help <laughs> to create the hostile situation and now you can't deal with it? Because that is straight bogus. That is no. And th- this is what we deal with in life. And we have so many women who are forced to have kids because their husbands want them, but their husbands don't want to deal with certain things. And one of, one of the things my mind went to is what happens during postpartum? He ain't there to support you because he don't want to deal with that. There is no way, whether it's childbirth, whether it's anything in your relationship, especially if he has helped contribute to it, there is nothing that he should not be willing to deal with if he has contributed to it. Men, if you don't want to deal with it, do not contribute to it. So as Brother Al said, I completely agree with him 100. That child don't know who he is. Dedicate that baby to God so God can start healing that heart. Amen. And ask God to help send you that village that is going to help raise. Because, yeah, it's easy to say, oh, it ain't that serious. It is that serious. It is. And just like this six-year-old who don't care nothing about the teacher he shot because of the people that he had helped to raise him, who knows what was ever said to him that has contributed to his mentality right now. So I think a lot of things are being overlooked that it shouldn't, but do not overlook this. This this is not, don't, don't let anyone make you feel like you, in the words of Generation Z, you dragging it and all of that. No, it is that serious. Pay attention to these things from now and go about your life. 
All righty, all righty. Okay, well, Pastor KL, you know, you could go ahead and give your word. You could finish us off, round this thing up. What well, you saying? I, I, you know, while, while I respect what the panel is saying, you know, so, so now you've done cut off the father for being a father because you didn't like how he treated the mother in the in the in the delivery room. So so now now the child doesn't have a chance to know who the father is because of what happened. I I don't think that's fair. So you're doing a disjustice to the child. You're doing a disjustice to the dad. So so wait. So where is the where is the okay? Let me forgive him, and and maybe he'll he'll do better. Where where, where is all that? Uh, church folks, we, we we just casted him out because he wasn't compassionate enough. But now we have no compassion for him, and we're putting our child in harm's way because now he may turn out to be the six-year-old shooting folks because my daddy wasn't in my life or my mother didn't allow my daddy in in in. in in my life because he was mad before I even came, because she was mad before I even came into the world. Wow, really? That's what we do? All right. Well, listen, I mean, to be honest, that's that's the way they're looking at your action and the, the guy who said he was embarrassed. So, you know, it, right. it's, it's all relative. Again, this is, yes. this is such as life. You know, it's subjective to how you know, um, you know, what, what people, how people respond to the, the reaction. Let me put it like that. That's the reaction. You know, your reaction was who's going to clean up this mess. There was no consideration um, for anything else. And, and for them, it's no consideration. There's a no consideration for the way you acted. So it's kind of, it's right. subjective. So I, I'm not surprised on either side. I'm going to be honest. And I, I'll give my, I'll give my comment. Um, in a minute, but thank you so. This has been an interesting conversation, as always. I love it when it's everybody ain't on the same page. I love it. I love it. I love it because now you give all of our listeners something to think about. I do, I do because you know it. It, it makes for some thought provoking uh, conversation, and people leave with something to think about. So, as always, my due time crew, I thank you for your contribution into today's conversation, and I pray you have a blessed day. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hang around and listen. Hang around and listen. All right, let's get this benediction before we get started. Romans 15, 5, and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! What are we talking about here? I'm I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this. This is atypical of us thinking about the moment where right now it's 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 a jump in the it, it, you know it's it's a romp in the hay 
let's jump in the sack. Um, there's no conversation. The proper conversations have not been had. Um, I think a lot of times there's a dismissal of when people say certain things. There's like, oh, you know, you'll be different or it'll be different. I think this is atypical of us not being prepared. That right now we think of right now. We don't think about the long term or if we should fall into this particular scenario um, or what happens if and when. I think this is atypical of that. You've had this relationship. Let's go back to the fact that they are 20 years old. And as much as we like to think we're grown and adults at 20 years old, we're not. And that, that doesn't mean that if you're 50 years old, you would not feel or behave the same way. But I'm, I'm going back to the fact that they are 20, and that is something to consider. Um, because, you know, you're not a whole lot mature at 20. Now, at 56, I didn't see the same stupid behavior in 60-year-old people. So, unfortunately, we do not grow this stuff sometimes. But I think this here, this conversation is atypical of we're not thinking about what could happen later. I, I do stand on the ground where Pastor Dale says, listen, I told you from the beginning I wasn't prepared to be in this delivery role. As a woman who has had three children, if you told me you don't, you're not prepared to be in the delivery room, you know what I'm saying to you? Bye. Bye. Because if you're already telling, I'm pissed. I ain't gonna lie. I'm pissed. But... Again, because we ain't thought about none of this stuff before. You ain't thought about it when we was in the bed. If that had just happened, we not go. You know, you ain't gonna be ready. However, the fact of the matter is, it is what it is. And if if you tell me, your staff, I ain't ready to be in this. You know, in this delivery room. My thing is, see you later. Leave me alone with my midwife, or give me my girlfriend, my mama, my. Listen, give me the janitor if he gonna be compassionate. But bye. I just go ahead. That way we don't walk into this situation. And and now you didn't piss me off during one of the most challenging times in a woman's life. I think we all need to keep one thing in mind. We're talking about childbirth here. And that's why I said, see, ain't nobody thinking today about tomorrow. I don't think that any, that, that a lot of people, I mean, I can't say any, but a lot of people do not realize, even the woman, that you literally are on death's doorstep when you are having childbirth, when you're in childbirth. I really don't think that that's a realistic understanding. That is a fact. That ain't, it happens for some women. And it, no, it is a fact that when you are giving birth, from the moment your body goes into labor, that you are in the mouth of death. And for anybody to be standing around me saying anything that is not um, understanding, empathetic, compassionate, sympathetic, then you need to be as far away from me as possible. 
Because again, like I said, I don't even think, you know, the women who are going through childbirth actually understand that that's the reality, that that's real. And, you know, whether you go into panic mode, whether you're the mother or the father, um, is, 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 this is a time when there's no, ain't nobody got time for that. Let, let's be honest. Ain't nobody got no time for that. So if you, you know, if you're sitting in front of me and you're talking about how I'm embarrassing you, it wouldn't have been, listen, please excuse him from the room. You need to go. You need to go. If I'm embarrassing you, you need to go. Now, to answer her question, what do we do going forward? I think you need to walk on eggshells. I think you need to keep your eyes open. I think you need to be real clear about what happened in that delivery room. I think if we ain't never talked about the fact that um, you could behave like this, or maybe this behavior took you by surprise. I'm even willing to give you that, that this behavior that you didn't even anticipate that you would behave like this, I think that I need to watch you with nine set of eyes. And I need to be very, very, very careful about how we move forward. I think I need to um, be on the alert that at any given moment, if something were to hit you by surprise, that this may be you. Could this have been a one instant um, occurrence, as Pastor KL said, possibly? Possibly, and I don't think I would X out the child. Um, uh, to me, d- d- dismissing the relationship between me and you and Xing you out of the child's life to me is extreme. You know, um, I think you need to proceed with caution. I do think I would be on the alert for, you know, if the child, you know, like the example that was given, if the child wet their clothes or, um, you know, if the child began to cry you know, how you would behave. I do think we need to be, you know, on alert for that kind of stuff. But to say that the child, you know, would not have that parent because the parent behaved like that at that time um, is extreme. I do believe that that's extreme, and that would not be my personal um, route. But I do believe that we need to have more conversation. And, and, and this thing with childbirthing, I think, needs, there needs to be an understanding of what what is really going on during that time. So whether you're standing over me talking about I'm embarrassing you, or whether you're standing over, talking over me talking about who will clean up this mess, um, is is completely insensitive. I don't personally care whether this was a last minute thing or not. I I agree with Tamika. Hold it, hold it. If you care, if if, if you're concerned for me embarrassing you or who's going to clean up this room or anything insensitive, forget about even the particulars, or anything insensitive as to what she's particularly going through, you need you need to hold on to that. Because I don't, again, there's a real underestimation of what is actually taking place here. So let's say for argument's sake, mom didn't make it. Is the last thing you're going to remember saying is that she embarrassed you or who's going to clean up this mess? Is that what you want to remember when mom is no longer here and now you got into, like Pastor Taylor said, he had to take care of the baby all by himself. Well, what, that was one thing when mom was not a fit mom opposed to mom 
is a dead mom. And all I can remember, that's a whole, that's a hell of a lot to be thinking about later on. And I'm going to say it just like that. That's a hell of a lot to be thinking about when mom is no longer here. So I, I really think that we need to take into consideration it's not about us. I think that came up yesterday. Um, it's not about us. It, it's not about what you're going through. It's not about what you're feeling. It's not about your panic. I think we need to concern ourselves with the fact that this woman has got her foot on one banana peel and the other foot, you know, someplace else. Because the fact of the matter is this is a very dangerous moment for not only baby, but baby and mom, not only mom, but mom and baby. And, you know, there's a lot to be considered. So, you know, would I exercise out a relationship? Absolutely not. I think that is extreme. But, again, all of this is subjective. How are you handling the treatment that you feel you just received? I opened up the dialogue with abuse. Who deems abuse abuse? You can't tell me whether I feel abused by what you're doing or what you're saying. However, you can dish it, but you don't know how it feels. We cannot dictate or determine how a person receives or perceives our words or behavior. So, again, this is very subjective to what a person is, is considering they may be dealing with going forward or they may have to deal with going forward. Would they cut you off? Would they give you a second chance? Are they considering that, hey, you know, there was a lapse in, in, in feeling and judgment and, whoa, you know, this just took the person by surprise, male or female, took the person by surprise. And, you know, I've actually known there was a man who told me that he was having a heart attack and his wife left him on the, on the sidewalk and left him to go through something and told him she went shopping. <laughs> He, he died, they had to, they had to, to, to uh, revive him three times. And when, when she got back to the hospital, he asked her where she, she was, and she told him that she went shopping. And they had to revive him three times while she was gone. She left him on the sidewalk in front of the ER. So people do very unpredictable things. How do we move forward is subjective. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, that changes things. It's Pastor and I want to thank my due time crew who never fails us to come through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now. You see the reason why. Later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow. Where it's Freestyle Friday, God spares our life. Until then, I love.